0: Welcome back to Our Soul, the podcast broadcast that's reclaiming the soul of reproductive health rights and justice. My name is the Reverend Terry Williams, and I'm here with Kelly Fox. We are the fabulous faith organizers of the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, Ohio's religious voice for choice. We're really excited to be back here today, and it is a full full day in the Ohio RCRC house because we are getting together just a couple of days after hearing the news of the sad passing, the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, associate justice of the United States Supreme court. Um, what, what, what do we say?
1: I mean, I just (sighs) got to say that like, I, um, You know I've been ever since I found out the news I've been um making my little altar on my desk and I've been lighting candles and um you know trying to meditate more uh just because like I don't know it just really hit me more than I like would have thought it would Um I guess like when when I first heard the news I was honestly I don't know why I was surprised because she's she was 87 um but I was like shocked uh that it happened and then immediately just like it's kind of like my reality especially around my reproductive rights um felt like it really shifted and
0: mm-hmm.
1: <sighs> yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I know it's, you know for me we we were talking a little earlier um you know for me i found out when a dear friend of mine called me um in in pretty deep rage and uh, you know not gonna lie there were some tears uh, about the news and initially i i just thought she was you know trying to to play some kind of a cruel joke on me, you know? Because obviously people know, you know, my work uh, in repro and other social justice advocacy work, obviously I'm a big fan of Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she was a fan of equality. And it became really clear midway through like, oh, this this is not a joke. And I, I feel like as a man in a society that privileges men, and as a man in a system that gives me manifestly more options than um than women when it comes to reproductive uh choice i have to just sit back especially these last few days i've had to just sit back and say i need to listen in this moment because there is a lot that has been lost that men in particular don't even understand. Um, and I you know my heart goes out to you, Kelly, and to to all the folk who are having these these experiences in this time um, of finally not not having to think hypothetically about yeah. what um, this situation is gonna look like. you're gonna you're gonna live through whatever the next um, days bring. And that is terrifying, I know. I, yeah. I just can't imagine. So, if you don't mind me, you know, prying a little bit, like, how are you? Where, where are you? How is it with your soul, as our, uh, our Methodist, <laughs> Methodist brothers and sisters ask each other all the time? How, how is it with your soul?
1: Um, I, I mean, y'all who are listening to the podcast right now cannot see me. Um, but I am, you know, I'm in my comfy sweatshirts. Uh, I have a cup a uh, coffee, a cup of coffee that says you can't pour from an empty cup on it. Mm. Um, I'm just like, I don't know, I'm all up in my emotions. I've been like tearing up um, uh, off and on with the conversation that me and Terry had before. Um, just because like, I don't know, it just feels, <laughs> oh, it feels unreal. Um, on on Friday, as soon as I found out, I was actually playing a video game when um, one of my queer friends, had called me and had asked me if I had heard the news, which I had not. Hmm. And he, he told me to just like pull up CNN and I did. And I was like, no, <laughs> like this could not be happening right now. Um, I, for my own mental health, just because I've been like so busy and dealing with my own stuff. Um, I put this thing on Facebook. I said, for my own mental health, I will not be thinking about RBG until Monday. And originally I had put like rest in peace um, but I saw something, um, this weekend about, um, her Jewish background and, um, what a more appropriate way of, uh, respecting her, um, in her passing. And so I changed it to may her memory be for a blessing, um, which we can talk about more in a little bit, but, um, yeah, I'm just kind of, I guess, wounded
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. and,
1: um, I'm still all up in my feelings and... I've just been trying to keep it together um one thing that's been really hard for me is just seeing i want to like since we're we're having this podcast and we talk a lot about like race and um social justice stuff on this um podcast i want to just like bring up the fact that um i know that ruth bader ginsburg was not perfect i mean she said some you know she she said some things about Colin Kaepernick and um, had some thoughts around race that I definitely do not condone. But I think one thing that I've really been struggling with is seeing people who are unwilling to uh, not talk crap about her mm. right after she's died. Mm. And... I know I shouldn't take it personally because she was an 87 year old white lady like very different than my own (laughs) personal experience um but it hurt every time I saw somebody like you know bringing up um all of the the things that she said in the past that were bad um I'll just like read one of my reflections from uh Saturday I said, as a Black queer femme who, want, or who works to fight for reproductive rights and justice, I really cannot handle people bringing up RBG's dirty laundry right now. I know she wasn't perfect. She had some really racist things to say. But also, I'm kind of grieving the repro vote on the court. I know that the system she was a part of is not liberating. But like, can we just mourn without being secondhand attacked? RBG dying makes me afraid for my abortion rights. Let me have that and i think that's still i mean like two days later um i was kind of like putting back really dealing with my feelings around it so um i think that's still kind of how i'm feeling now
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and where i'm at
0: and i think that's so profound to to be able to acknowledge in this moment that yes there are a lot of things that we can give Sister Ruth grief about. I am sure, uh, you know, her comments about Colin Kaepernick. Uh, you know, those those were moments when I remember uh, leaning into the into the radio, thinking, "Oh, oh, Ruth, dear Ruth, uh, where where have you gone in this moment?" You know. But to acknowledge that people can be wrong and still be good people, right? That you don't have to be right all the time to do right. You don't have to be good all the time to do good. Uh, We all have mixed realities in our own person. And just because you have done uh, something well or something poorly, something good or something bad in your past, does not dictate what you have to leave as your legacy for your future. Because when I think about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, My goodness. Yes, the system she was part of was not fully successful at liberation, and it is not uh, what I would call a liberative ethical system. But my goodness, if you look at where the law was when Ruth Bader Ginsburg was born in the 1930s and where the law is today, my goodness. I mean, equality rights not only for uh, wealthy women, but for all women. Rights not just for some relationships, but now recognized a great number of relationships. Still a long way to go, but my goodness, uh, how far has Sister Ruth been able to move that ball Mm -hmm. Um, and and to give us the ability to have the discussion Mm -hmm. about how she could have done better? Because really, you know, that's a gift in and of itself to say, yeah, you did a lot of good things, and here's where we can even improve upon that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's, that's the work I, I believe of reproductive health rights and justice that we're to build on what has come before. Um, cause our, you know, let me tell you Roe versus Wade ain't perfect, right? Big decision, good decision. Mm-hmm. But if that's where we stop, if, if that's, if that's where the fight stops, mm-hmm. um, we've left a lot of people behind so it, it's this ongoing struggle that, uh, you know, frankly, just got uh, a whole lot deeper
1: <laughs> with yeah. uh,
0: with this and development. Like,
1: and I'm thinking, like, even beyond um, just, like, a reproductive rights, um, like, thinking about how RBG was only the second um, woman justice on the court, like... That's, that's like, a huge deal. Even if, like, you know, the, the court is, like, again, not, like, a liberative system, and the court is, like, not perfect, and it's not going to be the end-all be-all, and it's not going to protect our rights forever, um, to have, to, to have, to go from, like, only men being considered for the court to having two women on the court is, like, a big, a big first step, and I think, like, that should be honored and, um like respected and um another thing i just think of like all the little uh quotes that i've heard of hers like over the years like the idea of uh the like the supreme court will not be or gosh what is the quote it's like it ends with when there are nine
0: hang hang on just a second because you know she's the second Woman She's on the, the springboard. Oh my God! Second woman because Sandra Day O'Connor came out. first, but well, you you out. you it's can gone. just you can just dub over second in place of first. Yeah. I mean, that'll yeah. work. So I'm say second.
1: second. Yeah. Well, I'll just I'll just when I'm yeah. um, editing, I I've done that a couple of times. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, the and and the quote you're thinking of, Kelly, is she was asked, you know. Paraphrasing here: How many women do you think the court ought to have? You know, when when are you going to be satisfied? And her response is when there are nine. And the crowd, you know, that was at the particular law school that she was giving this this speech to initially, there was like a gasp among uh, you know many of of what sounded like uh, male voices, quite frankly, if you if you listen <laughs> to the tape, and. You know, women just kind of waited, and Ruth came in with this perfect timing that she had. You know, she she had really good in-person timing. After she said, when there are nine, she said, well, there have been nine men on the court, and that never raised a question before, and the audience erupts into this kind of joyful, you know, applause response. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That's our reality, because we do not think... Uh, in this day, about decisions that have been made by the Supreme Court and realize that before the 1980s, all those decisions were 100% made by 100% men. Mm -hmm. Like, the great majority of law in this country has been made primarily by male voices, primarily by white voices. I mean, remember, Thurgood Marshall was the first african-american the first black person to be on the court and his successor is the second today we've only had two black folk on the court now you know that
1: that reminds me of just like how people take for granted like um the the work of feminism and the work of like the the well i was gonna say the movement for black lives but i think it you know it stems back obviously uh, further than that with like the civil rights movement like i think we take for granted these like movements that now um in like the 2000s like are just like commonplace um but people forget that that like literally 1965 was 60 years ago <laughs> right yeah is that math right yeah um and like, like you said, like, the, all of the decisions by the Supreme Court before 1980, which was only 40 years ago, um, was, were all made by Ben, and I don't know, I just, like, all of these still, things are still new, and there are, like, going to be issues with them, um, and also, like, uh, on the other side of things, like, uh, when people say that like oh like black people are asking for too much or women are asking for too much it's like we have not had anything until 60 years ago so uh i'm gonna keep asking because i deserve it you know
0: yeah well And, and and when you when you take a look at the supreme court as an institution you know thurgood marshall uh, was appointed to the Supreme Court in 1967, Mm -hmm. um, before 1967, you have no black voices on that court. You have no female voices on that court. The white male supremacy of the legal system in this country is, you know, older than, uh, you know, many of, of our family members, you know. Mm-hmm. My parents are older by about 18 years than diversity of any kind, even, to, even you know, tokenized diversity on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I think it's, it's interesting when we talk about uh, representation on the court or representation in uh, legislative work because the reality is we know that having different people at the table gets a different product from the meeting right uh that that's why you know having sister Ruth on that court bringing that that perspective for so long was so essential and it's why we we now have to sit and ask ourselves you know what what kind of voice is going to be speaking in that place
1: yeah
0: um and also and, like it,
1: it, the way the way that she um at least like famously dissented like everything like was not was not willing to go along with um the the prominent vote um because she didn't believe in it like she like if i know anything about her is that she was always dissenting <laughs> um and i think that a lot of the time. Um, People are not or not willing to to go against things because it's like unpopular or whatever. Um, and at least for me, RBG has like shown me that it's it's good to like be to be honest about the things that like you don't agree with and to to be boldly like I'm not gonna just like let this happen, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I just think. Um, when I think about like kind of my, my progress, um, personally over like the last year, about a year ago, I, I was the, (laughs) so weird to think about myself a year ago, but, um, I was the kind of person who like, if, if I saw something bad that was happening, um, I wouldn't necessarily immediately tell the people that like were causing the, the harm to happen, um, that it was happening because, like, I didn't want to step on anyone's toes. I didn't want anyone yeah. to get mad at me, yeah. whatever. But now, over the past year, I've kind of just um, started being able to, to uh, you know, say what I feel and, uh, you know, not, not think about whether or not it's, like, good or whether or not it um, will hurt somebody's feelings, um, but say something that because I believe in it and because um, I know it's the right thing. Yeah. Like, when I was being her, um, I would, I would just let people, you know, uh, uh, do things that I knew were harming me and not say anything about it because I didn't want to, like, hurt anybody or, like, I just didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to, like, have any issues with anybody, but, like, kind of thinking about RBG and, um, how she was always willing to dissent, um gives it it like empowers me to to dissent against like things that are hurting me you know not just to go along with things just because they're more popular or because they're said by people who are in power um if i think something is wrong then it's wrong and i should say something about it
0: absolutely and that and that your experience is valid and necessary Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the the idea that truth is not just one person's perspective or this fixed entity. You know, truth is the thing we all search after. I You know, I think for me, and, you know, we shared a little bit about this earlier, but I, for me, hearing Ruth Bader Ginsburg articulate how the law is made you know, this idea that she tries as desperately as she can to get four other people to agree with her in a case. And, you know, the quote that we we put up through Ohio R C R C you know, her her statement when she was asked, you know, what do you do when when you just can't get um a majority, when you know that you're gonna be in the minority? Um, uh, she said, I'm dejected, but only momentarily when I can't get the fifth vote for something I think is very important. But then you go on to the next challenge and you give it your all. You know that these important issues are not going to go away. They're going to come back again and again. There'll be another time, another day. You know, for me, that's the key of dissent is that when you dissent, you're being honest about the fact that the fight is not over. The vote might be over, but the fight is not over. The, the, the decision for this day might be made, but the decision in the long term will be made by those who continue to show up again and again and again. And, you know, you're right, Kelly, we're not, we're not going to uh, get to that new future if we hide away mm-hmm. our dissent. If we hide away um, and pretend that we're not being harmed by those things that are harming us. Um, and I you know for me I I feel like that's the essential uh, moment that we're in we have to be authentic and real mm-hmm. in this moment you know it's a moral values moment that people in this nation need to be upfront about what they need from the institutions that are failing them mm-hmm. the only way we've ever gotten progress whether it's on the court or anywhere else is by mass movements of people motivated people. You know, Thurgood Marshall came to the court in 67 because people made it clear that it's unacceptable to have an institution of nine white men making decisions for a nation that was in the throes of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in we're a place now where we've heard the president outright say, you know, he will name a woman to the court. Well, I, I think that's because he knows that the American public would not accept a replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who does not at least in some respect reflect the diversity she brought to the court. Now, you know, their opinions are a whole nother matter. Uh, that's that's uh, going to be something that all the legal people get into and, and the politicians get to yell about, but yeah i i think though our conversation long term um it it turns to you know this question of what is the fight now for us uh now that ruth is no longer here to dissent who will dissent uh you know yeah
1: and it's i think it's just like really hard to to lose that dissenting voice and Mm -hmm. um i think we we talked about this a little bit earlier but um like talking about like how hard it is to have people just like not or like talking talking crap about RBG like hours after she's passed um mm. but like i think what those people may be missing is the fact that um you know again like i am not in any way validating like all of her all everything she did i'm not i'm not saying that everything she did was perfect or that she was perfect, or anything like that. That is not what I'm saying. But the thing that she represents, like, the going against, um, what, going against the, like, the, the ruling vote because it's not what she believes in. Like, being willing to continue to fight, um, even if it's not for, like, you know, it, it, like, understanding that she wasn't perfect and she did these things wrong the 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 fact that she was the person who dissented um is something to grieve the fact that she was the person that you could count on to to vote for reproductive rights that is a thing to grieve um the fact that she just like felt like a a secure a person who is there fighting for the progressive um rulings that were keeping you know are are helping to keep people feeling more free if not totally free but more free than they were before you know that is a thing to grieve and i think that's why i've i've been having a hard time with people who are just like immediately bringing up her dirty laundry i'm not saying it's something that should never bring be brought up um but just like right now is just like a really tender moment for that um because right. that that is a thing to grieve. That loss of, uh, security, um, is a thing to be grieving right now. Um, yeah. I kind of want to go back to, like, this, this new, this new reality that we're, we're living in and, um, it just, like, kind of, like, my, my personal experience with just the, the three days since her passing. Um, over the weekend, I, like, was talking to one of my friends and, it's, it's become, you know, something, it's not, it's not hypothetical, like, a future without abortion rights, and that is something that has been really hard for me. It really feels kind of like The Handmaid's Tale, um, in my opinion, and, um, it's, it's gotten to this point that even, like, I, I don't know, it's, it's just super hard, and this weekend I had to talk to one of my friends about, like, you know, what happens if, she gets pregnant and doesn't want to have a kid and like Roe v Wade has been overturned like what happens then mm-hmm. and having to have real conversations about that and there some of my friends have like not not even like we would we would joke about moving to like Canada not that Canada's perfect either but um <laughs> moving to Canada because we want to escape <laughs> the hellscape that is the United States right now and, um, I feel like it's become, like, not as hypothetical anymore, this idea of, like, leaving because things are just, like, not, not good at all. But, um, it's been crazy how all these things, I feel like I, I grew up reading dystopian novels and now I feel like I'm living in one. And, um, something that I saw this weekend is, uh, I saw this, this post about, like, how how the death of rbg and like the reaction to it um really shows how uh not far along the nation is the fact that millions of americans were relying on rbg's vote to like Mm -hmm. you know keep reproductive rights um and to fight for progressive um human rights issues the fact that we were relying on an 87-year-old woman who had been fighting with cancer for a long time uh, really speaks to the place that our, our um, system is in right now, our justice system. Absolutely, if you want to call it that. Uh, but like, it really speaks to how much work there is to do on America as a as yes. a nation. And and I think
0: it's key for us to remember that white supremacy always relies on tricks and technicalities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's liberal white supremacy or conservative white supremacy, white supremacy is white supremacy. And I think for so, so long in this nation, we have worked on a given assumption in reproductive health rights and justice that somehow the courts are going to save us. Mm -hmm. That, oh, it's going to be fine because the courts would never do that. You know, the courts did us a solid in in, uh, 73 when they found, uh, you know, in favor of Roe v. Wade. Well, you know what? The courts have been subtly undermining uh, reproductive rights in this country for at least the last 20 years and certainly in in the last 10 or so. You start seeing these equivocating decisions um, around... Issues like uh, targeted restrictions for abortion providers. You start seeing the Hobby Lobby decision, you know, which if you haven't read Ruth Bader Ginsburg's fantastic dissent in uh, you know Burwell and Hobby Lobby, you need to take a look at that because she articulates the real danger of expecting nine justices to somehow win us our freedom. The fact of the matter is our collective power has got to be the root of the freedom oriented work and the justice system in this nation starts with protest and dissent Mm -hmm. and people saying we will not accept this. Um, you know, while Ruth Bader Ginsburg might not have been the first woman justice on the Supreme Court, she is the first female justice of the Supreme Court to die. Mm. You know, Sandra Day O'Connor retired is still, to my knowledge, she's still alive. Um, the idea that we are now getting to that that second wave generation or even third wave generation um, on the court... Uh, while we are in fourth, fifth, whatever wave, uh, you know, intersectional feminism that, that we're hoping, uh, to progress through, uh, here in the people tells you how slow the system is, Mm -hmm. but the system's going to be even slower if we don't work it, if we don't push forward, if we don't have that kind of culture change mentality, um, because if we're going to sit back and rely on, uh, you know, just a bunch of people in robes giving us uh, rights and giving us access, it's going to be a longer wait than any of us have time for. Yeah.
1: And it, this, that reminds me of, um, mm-hmm. but, but also, like, in the, in the same vein, um, we shouldn't rely on them. We need to be pushing them. We need to be pushing our government forward. We need to be acting right. as individual people with our collective power. And also, uh, there was a thing that you said earlier. We had a very long conversation before we started this <laughs> podcast. We really should have recorded earlier. We
0: do, um, we do the debrief. We do the debrief. But uh, yeah.
1: before you were talking about how um, you know, like, uh, use the example of like a a, a beat up car and how you you may have the mm-hmm. the dreams and the you may be working towards getting a new car but like until that day comes you want to make sure that the car that you have runs and that's right um, like i like i think thing people want like these these concepts and these theories around like how we get justice to be simple but they are not simple they're very complex and you can both like at the same time you can both fight for a future where you do not need the supreme court you don't need to rely on the supreme court to protect your um rights and also like be really sad when the the supreme court that you are relying on is now not protected you know right you can both of those things can be true you can both
0: we can do more than one thing at one time right
1: you can both like want um better you can both vote for elected leaders that are like not perfect but like maybe a little bit better than what we have now and also you can uh be protesting and pushing for people to um you know, abolish things like the police and prison systems, and all these things that um, we've seen are oppressive systems. You can you can both like live within the system and fight uh, outside of it. Right.
0: Right. You know, I'm right now I'm in the middle of jury service. I've got jury duty for, for the month of September. And, uh, you know, I've got a couple of friends who keep asking me, well, you know, why why don't you ask to get excused from that? Because you really don't believe in uh, in the justice system per se. And, I, you know, I, I keep having to remind people that I, I do believe in the justice system. I just don't believe that this system is the justice system. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if every person, you know, like me, who believes in restorative justice and who wants a a more uh, just system to administer that, if all of us decided we weren't going to serve on juries, the jury pool would get real ugly Mm -hmm. uh, for a while uh, for a lot of people. So, you know, you you got to—I mean, some people think the jury pool's ugly if I'm in it, too. But, you know, that's—everybody's got a right to be wrong in their opinion— um, and everybody has a duty to try to persuade other people of of their perspective. you know th- this for me, I think, is why um, the wisdom of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her religious tradition, you know as as a, uh, a devout Jew, uh, her wisdom of allowing people to express themselves, And then for her to be able to look with a loving kindness into their eyes and say, I just disagree. You know, I do not share your perspective, and this is why, right? Not not to, to make it a personal issue with them, not to to get pejorative with them, and and go you know full frontal anger, uh, you know on uh, on those people, but to be able to look in the eyes of somebody like you know Antonin Scalia, someone who I would not be able to have have been in the same room with, and yet this woman uh, acknowledged was one of her closest friends. They didn't agree on anything, but she was able to look him square in the eye and say, I dissent, you know, (laughs) I I disagree with you. Uh, We have to reclaim that boldness, I think, in in the American spirit, and frankly, we we need to get into that uh, groove from the communities that are currently uh, not included in the Mm decision-making. You look at how Jewish people of faith reason in this nation, um, and and I wonder how in the world we're going to get by without that kind of deep ethical voice on the court. Yeah. you know, um, our our dear Jewish friends uh, celebrated Rosh Hashanah. Uh, you know, the erev Rosh Hashanah was was the night that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Um, and now, now when this airs, they're going to be in the midst of the days of awe, the days of wonder, those, those days between Rosh Hashanah and uh, Yom Kippur, Uh, Jewish perspectives on the court, the ability to hear a voice other than, uh, Judeo-Christian values as they're articulated in, in the Christian side of that, um is critical and important and at the same time we've got to acknowledge that if the only values we hear are the values of nine people um, we don't hear the values of the nation you know how we live our values each and every one of us who are, are ethical people uh, that's going to change the story long term how we integrate our values and and live our religious values out loud Around issues of abortion rights, access to good medical care, access to birth control, uh, the autonomy of the human person—all these things are essential, and they don't have to come in front of the Supreme Court in order for us to to advance them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when you
1: were when you were talking about like uh, having relationships with people who think differently with, than you, um, it thought it made me think of something else that we said earlier um, about like how um so i have this idea that if if you become too too strict too unwilling to allow people to change um on the left you end up being just as bad as like the far right extremists um and you said that what was the name of that you called it something
0: (laughs) so i i've always uh, in, in terms of um political science. I've always grown up calling that moral reductivist theory. I'm not sure what the political scientists call it, but you know, it's, it's where you take the left right spectrum and you make it into a big yeah. circle. Right. I'm sure somebody you know, who's listening will be able to tell us, right. I, you know, there, there's some professor uh, listening right now going, ah, you know, I, this is my one thing. Call in, let us yeah, know. Right. Yeah. We, we don't really have a phone number per se, but like send us an email or, yeah. You know, Um, Um, but anyway, inform us because, uh, we're religious people, not, not poli Um,
1: so like this, this idea of like, if you, if you go too far and too, um, restrictively left, then you become just as bad as like the far right people. Um, and I think that like that, the ability to have relationships with people who think differently than you um, is something that is far underrated and also, like, I don't think happens enough. I have this book called, um, Why We're Divided, and I actually haven't read it, so I can't speak to, uh, the book, but (laughs) when, um, when I think about, like, why I bought that book, um, it was because I, I, I don't understand on either side the inability to see someone beyond their political views and I mean, I admit that I struggle with that myself. Um, I, I struggle with, like, uh, just because I cannot understand, um, why people, um, follow people that are so against my, um, my rights. It's very hard for me to understand why somebody would be very gung-ho for somebody who is against my rights. Um, but I also don't understand why people cannot see each other as people. Um, I think what's happened is uh, we've gotten so caught up and I think probably being in quarantine doesn't make this any better, um, but we've been so caught up in like what um, what the opposition says that we go so far into ourselves that we're unwilling to like see, to see other people. And that is not to say that like, I feel like I'm rambling. Do, am I making sense? Absolutely cool um anyway that's that's not to say that like you you shouldn't have your moral convictions you shouldn't disagree with, with people you shouldn't be really strong about like you know wanting to protect your your rights especially reproductive rights i i i'm I'm not saying that at all but what i am saying is that you cannot reduce a human being who like the issues in, of our world are, are complex and have many different sides, and reduce them just to their political beliefs. Right, right. Um, it's- and so, like, I think if we're going to, you know, make a better future where we don't have to rely on the, um, on the Supreme Court to um, protect our human rights, then we need to make our collective power not only gather all the people who are already on the same side, but also, like those who are called to you know change uh, or to have those tough conversations and like change um perspectives then those people need to do that but i also recognize that people like myself um do not have like the mental space to have, be having those conversations.
0: Absolutely, and and I think that goes to, you know, the work of moral foundations theory and the teaching that we had back in August with the Reverend Dr. Chris Davies, uh, you know, around everybody has different values and the real issue is figuring out how two people can look at the same observable situation Come away with completely different ideas about what's most important in that situation and that not be the reflection of one or more of those people being disingenuous, that people who disagree with us can can genuinely hold those convictions. People don't necessarily hold those convictions because of all the cynical reasons you have in your mind that you think they hold those convictions. They hold those convictions because they actually have values that direct them in that way. So if you want to understand why they have that particular perspective, if you have the emotional, uh, physical, spiritual capital to spend on seeking that understanding, you have to start with where their values are because their values are directing that work now. There are a lot of us who, you know, quite frankly, for me as an openly queer man, um, I I don't have the spoons, so to speak, the 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 emotional capital to be able to try to sit down and figure out why people hate me, uh, you know. And I, I got a, I got a lot of people who the idea of having a queer pastor uh, in a small community like Chillicothe is not on their agenda of. Uh, you know, things to promote, right, <laughs> of, of the community, I don't have time to sit around and figure out why those people don't like me. Because uh, it's, it's just too much. However, I do have the ability to look at some people who are very near and dear to me and try to understand why they hold different political or, or even, uh, you know, partisan positions on issues that are different than mine. Um, so if if you have any interest in that, uh, you know folks that are listening, check out Moral Foundations Theory. Check out our uh, our teach-in back in August with uh, with Reverend Dr. Chris Davies. And uh, you know my my la- other piece of advice I think to to everybody in this process is be gentle with yourself, right? And I'm I'm saying this to everybody. I'm saying this to me. We all need to be real gentle with ourselves right now. Because what we're going through is a very, very hard situation. This world in 2020 is hard. And you're doing just fine. you got to keep moving. Be gentle with yourself. Don't expect more than you can give. Because it's going to work out. It's going to be all right. We all just have to keep moving forward together. You
1: know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um just to go back to kind of bring this full circle in the beginning, you were asking me like, you know, how, how it is with my soul. Mm. Um, and I, I talked about, you know, building my altar and trying to do meditations and stuff. And, um, one thing I did that, I don't know, sounds underrated and minuscule, but whatever. Um, I changed the backgrounds on my phone. So, uh, I do this like periodically. I mostly did it because it's fall and fall season. I Mm. love fall. Um, Anyway, but, uh, my, my front screen, um, is usually, like, some type of mental health quote, and so my last one was, like, arms, and it said, um, you, you need time to grow, um, as a reminder to myself that, like, I am not in my final form, and, um, I'm always growing and evolving, and what, what seems hard to me now may not be hard in the future, um, but I changed it, um, And I kind of want to impart this on our listeners who may be mourning or just really struggling in this hard, hard time. So it says, You are allowed to sleep in late, eat too much, cry for no reason, love whoever you want, make new friends, move on, love yourself, be you. Hmm. And I think often um, we uh, don't give ourselves permission to, like, I don't know, just, like, deal with our emotions and to, um, be, like, to pursue joy just for the sake of pursuing joy, um, and I want to encourage people to, to pursue joy in, like, whatever ways they can right now. Maybe that means, um, like, deciding to play games because that is fun, (laughs) Or to, like, get on video chat with your friends and just, like, talk for whatever amount of time for no reason. Um, Mm -hmm. and it could be just, like, lighting a candle, um, because, like, that gives you some amount of comfort. You know, whatever it is, um, it doesn't matter, like, how, how, um, like, dumb you may think it sounds societally. Like, if it, if it gives you joy, and as long as it's not harming anyone, like do that because we need joy right now. And, um, I would just, you know, encourage you to pursue joy in whatever ways you can. Um, because without that, like the, the whole work of doing social justice is, um, is doomed to fail really. Um, and I, I mentioned this in a, in a meditation I did a couple of weeks ago on Howard Thurman, um, but uh yeah if without like personal self-reflection and without the deep personal work of caring for yourself um all social change is just doomed to fail because it will have that that undergirding um foundation of not being mentally sound so do whatever it is um you need to do that brings you joy um take time for yourself um Go outside, lay in the grass if that's what you're about. Uh, just just do something to to take care of yourself because times are too hard right now to not take like the the five minutes to go outside and lay in the sun just because or to make yourself a cup of coffee and put whipped cream on it just because like that makes you feel better. like those little things are important and like can can really help uplift you in these in these times so i would just encourage people to take care of themselves
0: amen yeah Amen, friends. So as we go, we just want to thank you so much for listening today. Uh, If you're listening on the radio, we want to remind you that you can hear the entire full cut of our podcast if you just hop on over to ohiorcrc.org slash podcast. You can also find a lot of amazing things over at ohiorcrc.org, including our blog, a wider discussion about all of the trainings that we offer um, and information about programs like Clergy for Choice and Patients to Advocates and other cool pro repro work that we're doing on your behalf. So we give you great thanks for tuning in. And until next time, this is Terry and Kelly and we are Arsal. <laughs> Yay.